Hello folks, Tyler here. We're looking to do a big surge on iTunes. We really want to push the old iTunes, you know, get us up the charts a bit, because I know you lot are lovely and supporting all over. Um, so if you fancy it, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, make sure to leave a five-star review and a couple of lovely words as well, just to uh, you know, help us up a bit more and get that extra bit of support. Thank you very much. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's family feedback route through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows and the creamy middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I'm of course your host, Ty Crane, joined back with me yet again is our own um, jet-setting, you know, limousine-riding, wheel-and-dealing traveller, son of a gun there, it's um... Sash Steel back once again. It's good to have them back. How the hell are we doing now, Sash? Hey, Tyler. It is good to be back, as always. I'm doing pretty good. I've got my mind on travelling, so this is a very apt episode. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Um, remember watching it a couple of times as a kid. Looking forward to talking about it with you. Nice. Um, yeah, indeed you are. I've got the travelling bug again, but... um. What kind of again? I don't want to put your street in the uh, business in the street there, but it's all positives. But um, what's your big news as far as um traveling or movement? Yeah, well, all going well. I feel like it's not actually going to be real until I touch down at the other end with my work permit. But I am off to Canada, which is very exciting. And forgive the horrible laboured dad joke, but what is that all a boot? uh yeah i just decided new change of scene off for an adventure want to see some different places um you know maybe unlike uh the canadians in today's episode hopefully won't end up on any dodgy game shows while i'm there and speaking of which this episode we're reviewing today is 30 minutes over tokyo from season 10 episode 23 directed by jim ridd and written by donick carey and dan graney Original air date being May the 16th, 1999, and the couch gag being that the couch just turns into a shredder, and the family gets shredded into many, many pieces. And as always, state, and you've had a little brief overview there anyway, Sash, but um, what are your initial memories of uh, this episode? Fun fact as well, it's the final episode of uh, season 10, and they went with a Simpsons Goes Abroad episode, but uh, uh, initial memories from young Sash, or um, you know, general overviews before the review. I remember getting more references in this one um, as a younger viewer, just because I'm quite into my anime and stuff. Yeah, I just remember watching it a couple of times, remembered a lot of the jokes, uh, remembered most of the plot, so it was kind of just nicely nostalgic to watch it again. A couple All of right, bits so there. This, it was so quite this is one just... that you do remember quite well then, even though it is like, technically a later season, some would argue, but it's not technically golden era simpsons and that but it's one that you know you remember fondly as well and i don't think we get a lot of that over like twitter discourse in general simpsons fan uh, discourse yeah uh like i say there was a couple of bits that didn't really hold up a couple of yikes moments um in this one but overall good fun i guess i um, don't know how politically correct it is uh <laughs> so if it's a, a problematic episode, I can only apologise. But oh, no, there's a couple of good laughs. Those are murky waters when we get to it. Homer walking through the uh, screen doors always makes me laugh. <laughs> the Godzilla shout out always makes me laugh. 
just a couple of like good visual gags in this one. Mm. How we open this one up is the family are all at home there, and Lisa's going through Wired magazine, and Homer thinks it's actually weird and is just faking to remember that he's ever read it before and cackling up. But you know, well, there's never been a weird magazine, is there? But no, it's Wired. It's all about tech and computers and that and yeah homer um homer doesn't really believe in all that uh you know new tech mumbo jumbo you know even though 99 and the internet's only going to get quicker and more advanced folks but um he's not really that sold on it but you know oh there's a new internet cafe downtown i'll even show you how to order pizza and um there's a massive selling point by bart there's a single website showing um monkeys just doing it and oh they're in the car like, come on lisa monkeys and they're just <laughs> Straight away to the internet calf now, my god, Sasham. I believe we're at the age to, I guess, remember some early internet sites, but I can't think of like just a site with just one video anymore. Like, that is very late 90s internet there. Yeah, definitely. I actually looked this up because um, this episode was originally aired May 16th, 1999, and I thought, oh, that ages us quite a bit with the internet calf, I think. Um, early internet cafes had been around sort of as early as 1991 so they were making this joke pretty sort of late oh right on which oh, i just thought no. was quite interesting um i guess they didn't really perhaps didn't get to uh the us until a couple of years after after that but i just thought that was quite interesting um i was like oh is this like you know getting around the time of internet cafes being a new phenomenon but apparently not within this internet cafe there like i'm not gonna lie folks i found it this really didn't make me laugh this bit but you know they needed to do it to set them up with losing money and that but i don't know to me it just felt a bit what well, felt really outdated in the fact that you know it's oh it's the slow internet and the always, there's always been sort of pervert sites but i guess the best joke out of it is the uh up kilt camera sash <laughs> with um willy, oh, willy. don't forget oh, this got every a good single laugh Scottish at me. person is pervert. Yeah. Oh, she what needs. He... What did? What did you say again? She needs a garden. Oh, it needs a wee bit of groundskeeping. <laughs> oh, oh, that's Willie. Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that was great fun. I like that one. Forgive me, but I thought that would be um right up your street or up your kilt as far as humour goes. <laughs> you are not wrong at all. <laughs> but yeah, Homer's making you know all sorts of different investments and he's really getting the hang of you know being a online surfer not quite silver but definitely a you know intermediate surfer of the web there but snake jailbird is there you know just bangs through the door there and he's you know it's a stick up but how are you going to stick up an internet calf because like technically he could rob the register they're serving hot and cold drinks by the looks of it but no um oh my god yeah like this did nothing for me slash but he gets out a floppy disk and just one click of the keys and like all the Simpsons savings are gone and then oh, I can't even I remember bits but he does like a adios backslash alternate slash at losers <laughs> and he just fucks off there is a lot of poetic license taken oh. with how technology works in this episode I mean I never used floppy disks myself but um oh really I, it, again it just uh no I was I remember floppy disks I used to put things on floppy disks I never had one personally, but I guess everything would just get saved on the family computer or, oh, oh no, I just sound like a lame UK standard, but, oh, do you remember the school computer, Sash? 
Oh, I do remember Everyone the used story. to go on it and go on like Zoom beanies or whatever. <sighs> Zoom beanies was the yeah. one. Also making um, things in Microsoft Paint and PowerPoint. Yeah, you know, my good mate uh, Glenn there would draw a cock with green spray paint and then you just get that cold hand on each other going, right, I need you to log off now. And then it's, oh no, I can't go on it for the rest of the week. It's <laughs> fucking ruined it. <laughs> but it turns out, you know, the family has been robbed there and they were going to use that money for the vacation, Sash. But um, don't worry, Homer even says, God help us, you know, we'll go on vacation, even if I have to get a second job. But does he get a second job, Sash? It's not quite as... There's a very loose definition of the word job, let's be real. I did like this uh, little scene, though, um, that cat burglar music, and then Homer just... I, I, I'd forgotten yes. this gag, but even before it zoomed out, I was like, I bet he's going to be robbing Flanders' house, and lo and behold, he was. <laughs> Fun fact as well, and I'm very positive, but it's the exact same sting and score that's used in the original, you know, the cat burglar episode. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's like too. Do, do, do. Yeah, it's beautifully done, beautifully done. But you're right, Flanders is in there, and again, he's just so supportive and understanding. You know, oh, now come on, neighbor, we can't have you stealing every single time. You know, you want to go abroad, and he's just having a nice glass of milk. But Homer just continues to steal in that, and he does a very, um, I won't throw. Oh, fuck it, I will throw my town under the bus. He does a very cool thing and just starts nicking the cutlery. Like, this is not Witherspoons, you can't do this here. It's not even <laughs> in Flanders' house. Yeah, I really like the fact that he stops and has a very sincere conversation about all Ned's gadgets while still holding the bag in his hand. He makes himself a sandwich as well, just helps himself to the mayor. <gasps> yes, the cheeky bastard there. I love yeah, that. Like, <laughs> he makes himself a little uh, club sandwich there, a nice bit of mayo on it and everything. Yeah. But um, you're right, um, he says to Flanders, you know, oh, you know, you live in this castle where, you know, we're in a sty over the road. How do you do it? And Flanders admits, you know, we're not, you know, that well off there. You know, we oh, lovely little lines here. We give to eight different charities to hedge our bets, uh, Sash. <laughs> just in case, covering all ground. Just in case. Left Torms went downhill ever since Left Top was moved in next door. Um, but he's able to afford all these fancy gadgets because... They were evidence in a murder trial, so got them super cheap there, and all thanks to one man, you know, Chuck Garabedia. Homer, I mean, him and Marge do end up going, but just by swiping the tickets and the ticket holder as well, like, there's absolutely no shame now. Sandwich and <laughs> cutlery and even a little um, gem holder as well. What a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Classic Homer. Just a little, also the little like religious fish that like he was he would never use. You can just you just know that's going to end up in a drawer somewhere in the Simpsons house. We're at the weekend now, and they're going to the Garabedia seminar there, and I mean, yeah, I guess we'll talk about it now. As uh, I always have done that, I try and get your expertise on art and design and such, and sketching with your talents there. Now, Chuck Garabedia, the character there, I think. IMO, um, they've done a pretty good job there because he's all business suit and this tuxedo, but I don't know. It's just maybe it's his eyes or it's just the fact his hair's styled just ever so slightly messy there, but he looks like a greasy salesman, doesn't he? Yeah, you can definitely tell what he would look like in different art styles and in like real life. You can almost see the grease shining in his hair. They yes, really nailed that look. They do a really good job of establishing his character within like seconds with his uh, 
gestures and style of speaking and everything. Yeah, it's a lot of hand movements, a lot of point in there as well. You know, he's really going to stick to those fat cats and more shit by telling you these 10 tips and a couple of others that, um, you know, those fat cats don't want you to know. He's getting them in a big frenzy. And um, Is this clickbait before bit... clickbait happened? Oh, yes. I guess you would have only seen this in the um, during the business circuits and these entrepreneur uh, uh, panels and conventions. You're absolutely right. This is smacks of... Um, this would be a Forbes oh, article now. Oh, my God, it would. <laughs> yes, it would. Are you tired of missing out on the good things in life? Family vacations, jet packs, solid gold dancers. There's only three left in the world. Well, stick around, because I'm going to tell you the 12 saving secrets Wall Street won't tell you. Then I'll show you the three ways to get back to the highway, including one shortcut those Wall Street fat cats don't want you to know. Yeah! Yeah! Oh, here we go with the fat cat bashing. Well, what do you expect? These yokels are pure Baltic Avenue. <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm late for the short line railroad. A bit of behind-the-scenes stuff here, folks. We're messaging each other back about this episode in particular and reviewing it due to the random episode generator. And, um, Sash, one scene you particularly liked was this one with Mr. Burns and his good mate there. Oh, it's the fat cat bashing. <laughs> oh, and the Grip um, Uncle Pennyvelix cameo, which I'm yes, sure he's been in he's the drawn, a couple of times. He's drawn just slightly off model so they don't get sued. Yeah, they did a good Wikipedia. job with that. Now, um, yeah, I guess very briefly, um, his design as well there. So, you know, it's not quite him, but you can recognise it's him. Um, are you one for Monopoly? And what do you think of this uh, little oh, cameo here? I hate Monopoly. <laughs> I find it really? so, I find it so boring. I oh, no. the only way I like Monopoly is if you approach it as an RPG and I want everyone wearing false mustaches and hats and like role playing as like evil business tycoons. Oh right, trust you to bring the cosplay into it. Yeah, exactly. Aspects, uh, definitely. But just playing it straight is it just goes on too long. It's frustrating and it reminds me of how much I hate capitalism. <laughs> yes, I guess this is as far as gaming goes, I'm going into more centrist form compared to your uh left-wing ideology of the old tabletops because <laughs> i'll be honest i do quite enjoy it um at one point when i had a ps3 I even had the uh, online version and you know special saturdays and that me and mates would play it there and it would just end up like oh well um, i'm losing so i'm gonna purposely get myself in bankruptcy and load all my properties to my mate and then he's obviously gonna win so it never ended well it never ends well but it starts so promising uh sash you know and hey you know with all this fat cat bashing and special on Twitter, you know, Jeff Bezos gave, what, 0.2% of his wealth sash, and or are you just going to be ungrateful that he gave $5 million to help him release and all that? Like, how dare you? I'm just going to enjoy <laughs> this boot, if you don't mind. I mean, I, I don't even have the energy to unpack <laughs> all the things that are... So, so what I'm getting from this is you're a big Monopoly fan. Yes, yes. <laughs> and this is where we get on to Chuck's, you know, first, uh, you know, rule. you got to squeeze every penny there. He got that suit because, you know, Roy Cohn died in it there. And the big yacht on the big projection screen, a bargain, because it smells like cat pee. And then um, I will let you fill in this uh, joke, please, Sash. Let's start with mega secret number one. You gotta squeeze every penny. You see this tux? I got it cheap because Roy Cohn died in it. That fancy yacht? 
a bargain, because it smells like cat pee. Oh. And those beautiful women, they used to be men. Oh, oh God, I can't even, it's a big yeah. yikes moment. He's surrounded by beautiful women. He goes, oh, these beautiful women, they used to be men. And then literally, like, they're, they're nearly going to vom out of the crowd there, because that is the punchline, folks. Now, I mean, yeah, it's not good, and they shouldn't have wrote the joke, but I'm just going to leave this all the way up to you to explain your thoughts to someone in the uh, LGBTQ plus community, and it's uh, you know, somebody who's proud and out and non-binary. Yeah. And I, I will please let you uh, have your say on this. It's just like one of those things in it of like uh, transness being a punchline and this whole narrative of trans people, especially trans women, being, you know, deceptive and an object of disgust and like not really being seen as women but actually just uh oh they're the only men all along sort of thing. It's yeah, there's <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. Uh JK Rowling is wrong, obviously. <laughs> let's just let's just put that out there while we're here. Um just it's really tired, it's really silly, it's, you can just kind of tell the kind of people who are in the guy's room to, like, think that that joke would be funny, it's just not, you know, trans people are people and they deserve respect, and I, oh, I don't you know, there's just, there's just a lot going on there, basically just, like, don't use transness as a punchline for a cheap laugh, it's not okay. So that was that was a big yikes moment for this episode. I really like had completely forgotten about that part. So that just came out of left field for me. That punchline, I was like, "Whoa, shit, really? Like, cool, okay." <laughs> yikes. Just one final thing before we move on from uh, that matter. Um, do you believe modern TV and film, let's say from the past three or five years, um, have they've made efforts? Has it gotten better, or is it just the same as far as? representation and no jokes towards uh that community um i think to be honest with you i kind of live under a bit of a rock pop culturally and i think i've sort of curated my viewing there's some really nice trans representation in things like um tales from the city which is awesome uh and there's some there's a really nice uh movie on Netflix at the moment, which I'm not sure when it was out. Uh, let me have a quick look to see when it came out. But uh, it's a Thai movie about a group of trans volleyball players, which is really nice representation. When did that come out? Uh, 2001. So, oh, you wow. know, there's there's been spots of positive representation, but we've still got a long way to go in terms of making that mainstream. And things like, you know, when outspoken people with a lot of power just kind of start spouting their views when people didn't ask for them, aka J.K. Rowling, uh, it just kind of sets the whole thing back. But there is good, there is there there are good pieces of trans representation out there. Definitely would recommend Iron Ladies. By the way, I watched it recently. It's very fun. Uh, but there's still a lot. There's still a lot of ways, a lot of ways to go. Um, there was a film that came out recently that had a really poor representation. I can't remember for life what it was called, which is probably for the best because I wouldn't recommend anyone watches it. <laughs> so, you know, swings and roundabouts. Uh, just a case of getting more trans creators out there, really, and letting them do their thing. 
there's a lot of nice, I think, indie movies. Um, but obviously, it'd be nice to get more stuff in the mainstream. And Chuck's big message and what the Simpsons take away from this is you gotta squeeze every penny there. And Homer takes it quite literally. And um, I will say, this moment doesn't get talked about as like all cringe moments in the show. Everyone talks about uh, Homer's eyes crusting over or his eye about to pop out when Willie's choking him with that big long pipe there. But um, no, I try and skip this every single time. In fact, I skipped. Um, most of it um, when I was re-watching this for this review <laughs> slash there, but it's just so... seeing it just go up his arm there into his stream, and like I'm staring at it now, and I just think, oh, why? I know, that is some real gross-out humour. Don't think too hard about it, basically, but yeah, I had a bit of a thing as well, like, oh, just if you think about it too long, the implications are quite uncomfortable. So the Simpsons family start, you know, saving for this trip that they're hoping to go on there, and they go from the 99 to the 66 to the 33 cent store there. Sash. I love, I love this joke. Oh, Lisa goes, oh, we're really going to go shopping in a 99 cent store? And Marge goes, maybe for your wedding. And then they just move down to the 66 cents and the 33. <laughs> I thought that was really quite a fun little setup. And Marge is uh, really enjoying shopping at this store as well. She even spots her own dress there and, oh, no. Um, I don't want to keep thinking of like sad Marge times here, Sash, but I keep forgetting the line of, oh, 33 cents? I paid almost double that. <laughs> oh, no. Sash, honey, please. There's, like, French tuck and, um, like, thrift stores and that. Oh, please. Like, it's really funny. And then you see blue, and then it sort of backs it away there. Like, no, we are cartoon characters who must wear the same dress. But yeah. uh, I don't want to think of Marge's sad life with no money and, like, no variety there, Sash. <laughs> I think it's just cartoon character logic, though, isn't it? You know, um, I do it with jeans, to be fair. I find finding jeans is a nightmare. So when I find a pair of jeans that fits, I will buy like two or three pairs. <laughs> but uh, I draw the line at buying the same dress multiple times. But that is very much. Uh, I really like that they lampshade the cartoon characters wearing the same clothes all the time thing. I also, to divert back um, a couple of frames before this, you see Skittlebrow on the uh, on the shelf, which I really enjoyed Ooh, do, as a throwback. Yeah. yeah, I believe that was Bart Star, and um, Homer was just going into the quickie mart and saying, oh, I'm feeling down. Have you got any of that um, Skittlebrow? <laughs> and he goes, no, sir, um, nothing like that exists. Okay, well, can I have a six-pack and then just a bag of Skittles? Which, to be fair, I mean, you ever had Skittles vodka, Tyler? No, but I feel like this is some sort of a mad scouse tale you're about to tell me. <laughs> it's just it. like a brilliant life hack of uh, get a bunch, uh, get a bottle of vodka, pour a load of Skittles into it, just like let all the Skittles dissolve up through the vodka and you've got some very tasty sugary vodka. It's very tasty. I think they actually sell it as like a proper thing now, but it used to be like a DIY life hack. So. All oh, right. And who told you that? Was it our Pam or our Debbie? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, Jesus Christ, where did I first learn about Skittles vodka? Definitely from some scouser out in Lincoln. <laughs> Homer, um, my God, I tell you what, this is very much um, my dad here. Um, he goes over to some plankton, tin plankton, and Lisa picks it up and says, well, according to the you know, Mexican food camps, this went out of date like two years ago, and Oh, Christ, um, Sasha. Um, oh, yeah, by their standards, but, you know, we live in America. <laughs> oh, and my dad, um, for, like, the past few months, he's apparently he's never had a good... He hasn't had a good potato this year or a good tomato because it's all, you know, 
oh, it's all abroad, shipping them in, and, you know, oh, it's a polytunnel job. Yeah. You know, but no, this is from an Oxford farm, and I can search the farm. No, it's a polytunnel job. <laughs> you know, it's all, it's all in the greenhouses there. The family end up saving a good chunk. Not enough for a proper holiday, but, you know, a special super saver Garabine beating holiday where you just turn up at the airport, and as long as you don't matter where you go there, you can get, like, half price tickets for the people that don't turn up. And Mr. Garabini even pops up telling him this. And what was he doing, Sash? Um, sorry, you've lost me a little bit. What is he doing? Where are we at? Uh, the family have just smashed that piggy bank there and they're looking for a place to go there. And Garabini just pops up. Oh, he's and he's been... going through their garbage. Yes, because they didn't finish their manky planting. And now <laughs> it's mine. And then he just, <laughs> just runs off like a right villain. Have you ever done dumpster diving, Tyler? Um... I don't know why I do a long pause. Fuck it, I've got no shame. Yes, um, me and my mate in... How old were we? Just as I was finishing my first college course, um, saw a cool documentary on, like, uh, Americans doing it, and obviously they were picking on, like, massive corporations that, you know, just stick all the pretty good stuff, still fresh stuff in a bag, and then just stick it in the general dumpster, and you can essentially live free off uh, dumpsters and, yeah. and it's a wonderful thing and I hope it and I wish more people um, embrace it in this country and that but we tried it for about um, what, about three weeks on the trot there and then um, like it, it wasn't even like a, a you know, main supermarket that it was like at the local bakery there but then we went in a bit too early and then we sort of got caught and like it was literally like something out of a Disney film where the Aristocats like we were the rats and we just saw the a bit of the flashlight he's like hey you kids and, it's, ah, and we were off like a load of like hot cross buns and what have you there just under our arms oh nice that's awesome yeah when i was at uh uh i went to a couple of environmental society events at uni and and the snacks they brought were like reclaimed dumpster food i re- recently watched a really good ted talk on it as well um about a guy who basically drove across america taking food from dumpsters and using it to feed um, people in need, which was awesome. Oh, brilliant. So, yeah, don't knock it. I think um, this squeeze every penny guy is onto something with that. Not too sure about the plankton, but, you know, in general. Or the transphobia, but we'll just... (laughs) Yeah, you know, he's not... (laughs) So the family are now at the airport there, and we get to see him in little bits of garb, like Marge wants to go to Hawaii, she's got a little boa there. And then Lisa's uh, in a little beret, which I'm pretty sure a very young Sash Steele would have been all about the beret life there. Oh, yeah. Uh, but wanting to go to Transylvania with the fangs and that. And then we get Homer in um, Rastafari kind of a cosplay here. And um, apparently, behind the scenes stuff, all the you know writers and producers loved this scene. And they loved Homer doing the old accent here. Now I've listened to many other um, you know, Simpsons podcasts, and they've got um certain issues with this scene because it's you know a quote white character and a white man sticking on a really cheesy Jamaican accent. But in my opinion, I don't have an issue with it because my dad does the same. I know many other dads who've done something this um, you know, lame and a bit um ooh about it. So I don't really have a problem with this, and just the fact that. The family sort of ignore it and go, oh no, look, Japan. And he goes, no, you know, not Japan, Jamaica. I want to pass the Dutch on the left-hand side because that's about as much Jamaican culture as white people know. So <laughs> I thought it was quite fitting myself. I mean, 
what do you think about it as far as like sensitivity and, and um i honestly would not be able to say uh i don't know what the stance is on cultural appropriation we wearing nester hats etc but my takeaway from the scene is that i just really like marge's dress it's so nice Oh yeah, it's very cute. cute. And Maggie matching as well. Yeah. Turns out, like, oh, never mind, because the Flanders have beat us to it. And um, yeah, um, like they, how did they get ahead of this? Like, they only know who's cancelled. Like, when you get to the airport, but they're in um, full Japanese garb with uh, the kimonos and that. I know they were totally ready and prepared for that holiday, which Homer was just again taking poetic lessons with how airports bunch of work. fucking weaves, I tell you. <laughs> Homer, you know, he's not having any of this shit so they just jump on a little buggy there and race ahead and um, I mean, I guess um, Finders Keepers, uh, Springfield Airport folks, they just drive through the terminal and they're going to Japan and oh, sort of a rolled my eyes moment of this very on the nose, big gong and then it's quite literally a gong getting hit that's how we end the first act and they're off, they're on the plane now folks and um, oh Jesus nearly a bit like my dad but they end up saving the joke there um but before that a really smart thing that i didn't get until i watched the film uh in my film studies um group there do you get the joke of you know oh you're gonna love uh, japan homer you like rashomon oh that's not how i remember it um that's a movie that's told from different perspectives right oh damn it <laughs> I thought it was going to really like oh lay down some sick there. trivia really, on me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're back to my dad here, folks. Um, when Homer goes, oh, if we wanted to see Japanese people, uh, we could have gone to the zoo. But Marge right for us, <gasps> Homer. But we could save, you know, no, the fellow that washes the elephants is Japanese. His name's Takashi. He's at my book club now. Is this genuine or is this like my dad willing to go for one of these racist jokes? And he's like. Oh no, because uh, I know someone. It's fine. When yeah, backtracking. This, <laughs> this was just this struck me as a really awkward joke. I don't even know like mm. why they included it. I was just like, hmm, sure, I guess. <laughs> Family, you know, ran down in uh, Japan, and we even start with Homer's. I mean, Homer's just going to be as ignorant as ever in this, folks, and it works to a T. Um, yeah, like, I mean, it's a shaky start for me with the internet cafe and how they get the money, but them in Japan, I do enjoy for the most part, and it just kicks off with them. We go, oh, here's our room, bang, straight through the, um, oh, what do you call them? They are shutter doors, but what's the style of them? Like, the crepe papery kind of doors. Oh, I know what you mean, and I can't think for the life of me. I also, yeah. just as I um, love it's not like the, the uh, way he just like, throws the luggage through Those are like as well. Beams. Oh, uh, Shoji. Japanese shoji. Ah, shoji doors, right. Yeah, he bursts through the shoji doors just very ignorantly and go even the even the door even the toilet door has shoji doors there and um you know, got to tick off, you know, Japan stereotype number one, the toilets are from the future where I mean a lot of them genuinely are and obviously the big feature is the inbuilt um oh, the inbuilt bidet, yeah, there we go. Yeah. This is this really got a little uh, light show. And it turns out that it has a camera feed sash to the TV in the living room. I'm so confused by this. But I did remember this joke from having watched this episode way back when. It's very silly. It's just stupid, but it makes me laugh. Welcome. I am honoured to accept your waste. <gasps> They're years ahead of us. Mom, Lace, check it out. Dad's on TV. Oh, 
I will say, why is the toilet in there? And I'll just uh, and I'll just tell you, um, the Japanese they've got a quite um, well. I'm not towering a lot of people with the same brush, but there's a lot of sort of general <laughs> creepy vibes there as well. Like I'm sure you've heard of the myth of the thing of like um, you know panties and a vending machine and such. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's a I can thing. Totally right? see that they have vending oh, yeah. machines in everything. Oh my god, as well. Um, I totally. Oh, don't cancel me, folks, and we're going to get off this X-rated chat in a minute, but have you ever heard of the subgenre of um, exotic films called uh, Yokin Sash? Uh, I'm not sure. Which is particularly sure. popular amongst the uh, Japanese audience. Enlighten me. It's not tentacle porn, is it? We get to... Um, i tell you what, watching this when I was a lot younger, like for the first time, I thought, like... Because <gasps> um, I was a big um, Pokemon fan back in the day particularly with the series yeah like watching on smtv ant and deck hooking you up there for the good times and um yeah this is when i knew before watching this episode on the playground it's like oh do you know like and obviously didn't know the specifics but like a load of kids died watching this pokemon because of course they did because of course everyone sort of died when they watched this episode it's never rational is it but no um kid a lot of kids had seizures watching this episode of pokemon and I'm assuming you know a good bit about this as well, being an anime fan. Yeah, definitely. The episode was called, uh, forgive my pronunciation, Deno Senshi Poogon, a.k.a. Electric Soldier Poogon. And, yeah, in it, there's a scene with rapid lightning flashes, which sent hundreds of children um, into seizures. And I never thought, um, like, they would loosely parody, like, Pokemon in um, The Simpsons, but I was like... My little mind was absolutely blown watching this and obviously being that age. And even this age now, I just love a bit of mindless slapstick where they just sort of literally go into a seizure there and they'll go one by one by one. And then what does Homer do? He's not actually affected by it. He's not looked at the screen, Sash, is he? He just uh, just joins in um, because everyone else is doing it. This isn't the first time that they parodied The Simpsons. Um, well, maybe this is the first time, but they've definitely done it a couple of times before uh, since. Oh, they have. Have they done a seen... Pokemon Go parody? No, have they done a Pokemon Go parody? Yeah, they have. Who's up for some exploring? Yeah, I'm still checking out Japanese TV. Isn't this that cartoon that causes seizures? Bart, what are you doing? We now return to battling seizure robots. <laughs> I do enjoy when two things I'm very familiar with combine together, and I guess I also smushed in a Transformers parody with the um, robots on the seizure show as well. Oh Rather yeah, just... the big mech animes are huge in Japan. There, yeah, oh, you're absolutely right. But the family end up going to a America town, you know, because of. Of all the wonderful places and fine cuisines you could get in a, you know, a new foreign land, there, you know, oh, it's nice and safe. Just go to McDonald's in it, Sash. You know, you know where you are with the golden arches. <laughs> None of that foreign muck. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, my mother's guilty of this one. We'll go on holiday and it'll be like, oh, is there anything I can eat? Do they do chips? Really? Trying to find restaurants oh. where um, there's a food that's British enough for my mother to not feel alienated. See now. As much as I'm sort of, you know, giving my dad stick on here, he's very adventurous when it comes to, you know, 
uh, quote exotic foods and that and he'll happily sample you know the local delicacies and that i will give him that but um okay so i'm just really really leaning into your mama's uh you know peter k or his dad saying you know oh you're like this it's the red line pub there you know the sun only fools and horses on telly i went John to get- some draft <laughs> I went to a Red Lion pub literally just the other day, so feeling especially cold out. <laughs> They're just sort of having a little meal there, and even the waiter, um, you know, he's full Japanese native there, but he's he's even is doing his little stereotype of Americans, and based around a lot of like oh inferior technology there, but um, yeah, Homer just like a tip with a oh, oh biting, he's got our number there. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I like about this episode is that. It's equally um, poking fun at Japan and poking fun at America. They do a good balance of sort of taking the mick out of both cultures. Like it's not all just putting Japan on blast. It's American ignorance and tourist American tourist ignorance as well. Lisa's crying out like, "Can we please do something typically Japanese?" But um, like, and we're getting into it now, folks. Homer and Bart essentially run off just so they don't have to answer Lisa's question. And we have, like, an unnecessary joke at um, Woody Allen. And I'm assuming you're a massive fan of uh, this innocent, talented man. Oh, you know, absolutely. Uh, Not that he's ever done anything wrong in his entire life, right? Well, what has he done to deserve this uh, Japanese cracker ad? I mean, I assume celebrities made bank advertising in Japan. Isn't that a thing that people do? Oh, yeah, they all pay the big bucks for Western faces there, I mean... So he could be doing a lot worse for himself. Hey, look, I've only, I've not really watched any of his films. I like Hannah and her sisters. I like Michael Caine's Charm and a couple of others. But yeah, just uh, not him as a person. I don't think I've seen a single Woody Allen movie. I'm not going to lie. You're not missing out much. Probably go for one or two of them. Otherwise, they have a similar storyline of um, Woody Allen getting the suspiciously younger woman. Oh, well, of the course. end of each film, yeah. Uh, the only Woody I need is the one as voiced by Tom Hanks in the Toy Story movies. Yes, there we go. That's a nice uh, PG answer. I'm not going to lie, I thought you were going to make a dildo reference or something when I heard Woody. But I definitely yeah, lingered sw- far too long yeah. on that pause. <laughs> <laughs> but hey. We now get to my favourite part of this episode here, folks. Because this is where we're just going to essentially dip into me talking about Japanese wrestling for about five minutes now. Excellent. We're, I knew this would just, come, but yes, here we are. See, I've, um, okay, I'll just walk through the scene. Homer and Bart are watching, you know, sumo at, um, I'm not sure, it wouldn't be sumo, in fact, yeah, it would be um, Ryoku Sumo Hall there, um, one of the many famous uh, sumo venues there. Um, yeah, it's lorded over. Sumo is the Japanese sport and it's really intense there. It's very physical. You can get knocked out by trying to do, you know, the um Kuma from Street Fighter sort of palm moves there, defend yourself. But we have Homer um, having a fifty dollar pretzel. Fifty dollar pretzel. Hey, what's baby Huey doing? Says here they throw salt before they wrestle to purify the ring. Bear some salt, Tubby. Tubby? Anunamaiwa kokoro ga kizu tsuku yo. Washi ga futotteru no wa umaritsuki nanda. Taberu no? Yoink. Hey, that's mine! Like we 
day in my country. Hasta la vista, baby. Congratulations. I am the emperor. Yeah, and I'm Carbosaurus. <laughs> oh, hail Emperor Carbosaurus! And he's seeing one of the wrestlers, you know, just one of the sumo wrestlers there, salt in the ring to purify it away from the demons. And he wants some salt on his um, <laughs> he wants some salt on his pretzel. And uh, again, behind the scenes fact, folks, all of the actors that play Japanese people are in fact Japanese. There, even notable actors, um, uh, Wantanabe, um, he was in like a lot of eighties um, sort of comedy films as well, sort of college uh, boob comedies back in the day. Um, as playing the sumo here, but um, it's just great. Um, yeah, all authentic Japanese there. And even when Homer and Bart speak it later, talking about, shall we tell them in a piece? No, they are foreign devils. That is legitimate uh, Japanese, so fair play to the writers on that. Awesome. Yeah, the sumo takes offence to uh, Homer calling him Tubby, nicks his pretzel, and he's winning him. He's overpowering Homer, but, oh, folks, you know, he tags in Bart. What does he do, Sash? Uh, oh, shit. Hang on. Give me a second, because I need to rewind. I'll just say foreign object. Foreign object gets included into this. Oh, of course, it's just a chair. I thought it was. I was. I thought that would be too easy an answer. So I was like, hmm, have I forgotten something? But hey, there we are. It is just, it is a chair. He tags in Bart there with the chair shot there. And, you know, as we say in my country, hasta la vista, baby. And we have the emperor coming along. And, you know, what's he going to do with Clobosaurus? Oh, yeah, Homer. Homer's even got his own sort of wrestling, wrestling name in Clobosaurus. I love that. I'm the emperor. Well done, you know, for your fine heroism beating our champion. Yeah, one Carbosaurus, and he just gorilla presses him, impressive little spin around for him. And I know. Him the... Where is this hidden <laughs> athleticism of Homer coming from? Because that really comes out of left field. It's a great little visual, but surprising. He throws him into the used sumo thongs there as the you know, emperor passes out. Oh, hail Carbosaurus, and oh. Brilliant, folks. He gets such heat, Homer, there. I mean, if the Emperor was in on it, my God, you could sell out Kurikan Hall and watch at Shimami Plaza and all sorts of venues up and down the country there. He's a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a big Van Vader of his time there. My God. Now, please tell us, Sasha, whilst I'm on this Japanese wrestling hype train, I had lended you uh, Mick Foley's autobiography um, for a good while there, um, can you please tell us little um, little diatribes on his time in Japan? Oh, so yeah, Mick Foley, uh, excellent wrestler, um, known as Cactus Jack, Mankind and Dude Love, spent a lot of time in Japan as King of the Deathmatch, which included some very brutal matches, um, employing the use of barbed wire and explosions and a lot of very brutal things. Um... Any other Mick Foley trivia from that time that you can... Well, he once dined with the Japanese Mafia because they seem to be in bed with a lot of Japanese promotions there. Oh, of course he did, the, yeah. One and then he... with a thumb missing or such. Yeah, the, the the Yakuza? That's the Yakuza, yes. The Japanese Mafia with... um, Yes, yeah, in fact, oh my God, how this podcast is full circle, folks. You reviewed an episode with the Yakuza in it. I did, episode. I did indeed. Yes. Do you fancy doing the accent again? Not a chance. Or trying it again? 
Did Damn I try? It, I don't, again. Did I try last time? I thought I was trying no, no, because no. my. I to try and bait you in, but you're too good. Definitely not. My accents are terrible as is. Homer, I'm just imagining him as Big Van Vader and um, Bart as quite literally as young boy. Now the young boy Sasha, um, they are the novice wrestlers. You wrestlers that are teenagers to early twenties that will live in the dojos and the training facilities. Did you know that? And they will help. Well, essentially, they cook and clean and um get the laundry done and help you know set up and rig up the lights there and in time they will learn from the great masters of uh, Japanese wrestling and then they'll get eventually put onto the cards of wrestling then hopefully one day they become main eventers that is uh, I guess it's um similar to industries here where you sort of start on the bottom floor like runners in the film industry and then work your way up sort of thing but what happens with Homer and Bart and how do they get punished there they are putting a little jail cell, but, you know, oh, it's been an absolute hellhole, Sash. What, meditation, you know, sort of Bob Ross art there, eating this lovely little, what, sushi or a nice noodle soup dish there and getting to hang with some geishas there. I can't sort of spend another minute kind of... in this hellhole, eats several more <laughs> noodles and then leaves. <laughs> I mean, as far as prison goes, that's a pretty sweet deal, if you ask me. And they're even so annoyed at, you know, having to put on a little play about the 47 Ronin and... Again, authentic Japanese there by uh, Dan Castellaneta and Nancy Cartwright saying, oh, shall we teach them about inner peace? No, they are foreign devils. Damn these gaijins. <laughs> Does that, I don't think that's ever brought up again, is it? In keeping with the status quo of cartoons, they never, ever demonstrate being able to speak fluent Japanese ever again. Now, Lisa is still fed up saying, oh, you know, we've spent money getting you out and I've, I've still not done anything Japanese. You have more Japanese experience in jail than I've done in this whole holiday and Homer says, do not worry, Ichiban, I'll help you here. And he does a cute origami swan, a nice little sting of, I think it, Japanese um, orchestra there. And, you know, it brings them good luck, does the crane to the Japanese natives. But careful, homie, that's our last um, money. You know, we need that to get home. And, and what do you think is going to happen, Sash? Um, oh, yeah, there's definitely going to be a gust of wind that blows that swan away. Well, I mean, it has to, folks. Come on. You need the tension there and the stakes. And then just before we go on to commercial, we get Do in Japanese. And it's not exactly it, but it is an exclamation very close to it that is absolutely genuine Japanese. Like it is like a damn it or I cannot believe this damn it is essentially what you're saying, Sash. Oh, okay. The more you know. That's a useful bit of lingo um, to take forward. As we get into the third act there and... Before that, we talk about the embassy scene there. Sash, as someone who's you know willing to travel and that has had many uh, different experiences in different nations there, um, can you give us a little walk through? It? I don't know what traveling means to you. I mean, are you one of the gap yards that thinking it opens the soul, or do you just like seeing different people? Because I know you're, you know, you've went over to Asia yourself. I did indeed. I went to Cambodia for a while. Um, I just don't like being bored, really. And I like pushing myself to do different things. Um, And, yeah, it's just a thing that I feel like I need to get out of my system before I can actually think about pursuing uh, a career or whatever. So I'm going to get out of the way now and then come back and get a job <laughs> i'm really just putting that path <laughs> do you have a main highlight from uh, your experience of uh, cambodia there do you have a real sort of long-lasting loving memory 
Uh, I mean, I just loved the host family that I stayed with. They were delightful. Um, was also uh, saw some cool creepy crawlies. That was fun. Um, someone uh, dived into a lake that they shouldn't have gone in and got in big trouble for it, which was quite fun <laughs> to witness. Um, yeah, there's really cool, nice people over there. It's a very humbling experience to live in a poor area and be able to make a difference to uh, people's sort of lives and have an impact on the small time you're there. And it was just a really, really nice place. Very peaceful. Very cool. Although I'm not going to lie, the way you've described it, it does sound like um, Cambodian Big Brother. Most <laughs> family, someone jumped in the pool when they weren't supposed to. Did you hear a big boom in Geordie accent? Sash Steely, please come to the diary room. You oh, have to explain your actions to your host family. Definitely um, reframing that in my memories now. I hadn't even considered it, but I uh, I enjoy I enjoy he that. took my last magnum, the fucking slag. Oh, daddy, you're fucking having the cheeky rat. <laughs> the simpsons are at the usmc trying to sort themselves out there but um very matter-of-factly the ambassador just goes why don't you try getting a job and winning your money back and i suppose that is literally the best advice he could give them so what do they do for money sash how are they gonna get home now Oh, well, you know, the obvious answer is to um, gut fish in a fish factory, right? Every truckload of fish we gut brings us 31 cents closer to those tickets home. And I think I finally found what I was put on this earth to do. Knife goes in, guts come out. Knife goes in, guts come out. Spare my life and I will grant you three wheels. Ah! Knife goes in, guts come out. What choice do they have, folks? At least Bart's thinks he's found his corn in life. He's actually enjoying the job, you know. Knife goes in, guts come out, and, um, hell, you're a, I think you're a tiny bit more of an anime fan than me, Sasha. We even have a little, little fella pop up there. What happens with this one fish? Um, I don't know if that's an anime reference. I thought it was just a, there's a, um... Oh, no, I just think in general tone it's, I, I mean, maybe it's just me being a bit ignorant, but just hearing him go, I'll grant three wishes and that. And just the fact it's in Japan. I don't know, I just thought of anime vibes, but maybe I'm being a bit ignorant. I mean, maybe there is a... Hang on. Let me say, I'm going to Google fish granting like, I'm wish not gonna anime. I'm going to every kind of subgenre. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a magical fish. Yeah, all I'm getting is the uh, fisherman and his wife um, tale, which is what immediately brings to mind. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any... I don't know. I, I'm Not that I'm aware of. I don't think there's any actual anime reference here. I think it's just a fairy tale reference. Oh no, Bart doesn't listen, just in you go, kills him straight away. I don't know why, but them, the act of seeing them gut fish didn't make me uneasy. But the, um, what is it, the company's, you know, work enhancement song. Yeah. I think just seeing, oh no, he's a little cute squid there, Sash. And, oh yeah, the fact he just sort of Ari carries himself there. Ugh. It's yeah, not quite home, it's not quite home as Penny, but I was just like, oh no, it is a bit squeamish. I think it's because the um the squid is so cheerful and cute, and then it just commits seppuku. Is that how you say it? Now, um, where does he rank on um? Ah, you were part of an episode involving a Blinky, of course. There, but um, where does he rank on cuteness? He's so cute. He's so adorable. Um, 
just those big shiny eyes. Also, Mr. Sparkle vibes. Um, which doesn't Mr. Sparkle cameo in this? Or have I made that up? Did I glimpse him at some point in this episode? You know, what? I'll look back through it. I'll be very shocked if there's not one in the background somewhere. For sure. But yeah, Mr. Sparkle vibes. And Mr. Sparkle is definitely in my top 10 Simpsons side characters. Oh, really? Oh yeah, 100%. I love the Mr. Sparkle episode. Now, is that, again, a design thing? Is that a, you know, ooh, weeb sort of vibe thing? Or is he just a fun guy? He's just really fun. I just love the whole mystery behind Homer having a look like in Japan. And then it just turns out to be, uh, well, there's your answer, fishbulb. Just turns out to be ah, a full, full coincidence. Just made me laugh. But Homer says, oh, well, this is bollocks. Change the channel. Nice touch. There's a little eel and he gives it a whip and changes the channel there. Just, again, a little nothing thing, but I just really enjoyed it. Just using the environment and I thought of that little bit very well. We see a, quote, Japanese game show there. And, you know, his family have just won a massive car there. And um, I'm just having a little look back through, folks. And I'll try and say this title all at once. Here we are. Here on the Happy Smile Super Challenge Family Wish Show. All in one. There we go. This is fun. Um, as far as Japanese game shows goes, uh, do you have any favourites? I'll spoil it, folks. Um, Takeshi's Castle is going to be the main one we'll talk about. But before that, um, I've seen many clips on YouTube. One in particular I do like a lot. and doesn't seem to get as much sort of shared or liked between my, uh, my mates or sort of anyone else on social media. Is uh, It's one segment in a game show where... They have to stop these kendo sticks with their shins. That sounds really painful. Sadistic. They're on like um, rollers down the side of a ramp, and it's about a team of four, and they have to stop like a barrage of like five or six. And if they get past the fourth and final person, then they're out. And it's just like all oh, the faces they pull, and it obviously gets higher up with each sort of roller, and the distance between the kendos and the shins gets a lot worse. And oh yes, speaking of cringe. It's a definite cringe factor. Yeah, definitely. That that sounds it. Uh, there's one game show clip that I've seen on YouTube and the internet, and I don't know what it's from, but um, there's a scene where a bunch of contestants have to find as many things in the room that are made of chocolate as possible. So everything is... Uh, so there's like door handles and shoes that are like realistically crafted out of chocolate or they may not be chocolate so they just have to bite into everything they can get their hands on to see whether it's chocolate or not it's very oh, silly I think I've seen that is the thumbnail like a fellow looks like he's sucking off a door handle <laughs> yes I think I've seen that one <laughs> fascinated by that concept I do feel like their game shows are better than ours I guess we will talk about the daddy of them all let's talk to Keshi's castle then Sash especially Love it. the release of uh Fall Guys, which is a new battle royal game with um, very cute marshmallow people, and you have to get to the end of each stage, and it's very much Takeshi's Castles with the task in minigames you have to do. So please tell me, highlights, memories of Takeshi's Castle. I know you're a Merseyside buddy, Craig Charles, of course, classic narrator of the series there. Please tell me memories or favourite uh, games in Takeshi. Love him. I absolutely love the one where they have to walk over the draw, walk over the wooden bridge, and they are having cannons shot at them. And also the one where they have to go through the maze, and um, there's those people in like mascot oh, suits chasing yes. them. The, everything about that show just cracked me up, I'll be honest with you. What about you? Any particular favourites? In fact, those guards were um, old-time wrestlers. Oh, nice. That's awesome. We come full circle again. Everything is connected. Uh, for myself, um, 
I do like um, you know the Golden Ball Bridge and that, um, but I really like the ones that don't get a lot of airtime but are just really creative, like um, you know the Bowling Ball one. Uh, there's one where it's like a massive game of Plinko right above them, and then they have to catch the ball in a bucket. Yeah. There's an assault course, which is just like a uh, platformer, that you have to beat the little alien on the top whilst uh, you know, jumping across a river and that, or going through bits of sponge. Um, I'm trying to think, all-time favourite is probably... Um, ah, you know what? It is, uh, you know, the knock-knock door, or the run-door run. You know, the big one where they it's, like, usually the first round, and they try and weed out, you know... A little bunch out of like a hundred people and you're just running through doors and like you're either going to get battered against a wooden door or in a net or through a door and then you get a face full of mud yes i love that one i've seen that yeah i know which one you mean it took me a second but yes definitely so the family are now on the super time family wish show there with um guest uh wink the host and who is uh george takei there uh, yes now, you are the star trek fang amongst the two of us there um, are you a fan of George, of his meme efforts, of his uh, advocacy, or you know him as Mr. Sulo? Um, yeah, just tell us about Takei. Yeah, always got time for George Takei. Uh, not seen too much of the original Star Trek, to be honest with you. Um, TNG is my uh, favourite series, but yeah, George Takei just always seems like great fun in whatever he's in. Um, I know he's a big fan of being on The Simpsons uh, and guest starring. So, good to have him in the school. Thank you, thank you. And welcome to our contestant from America, the Simpson family. You honour us. Don't patronise me. Now, our game shows are a little different from yours. Your shows reward knowledge. We punish ignorance. Ignore what? <laughs> will say i think he does a bang up job here just as this serious um sadistic um you know wink uh game show host there like straight off the bat like marge is um like doing the typically you know unsure white person thing of oh you honor us with uh, we are honored by your presence uh, don't patronize me <laughs> straight away we get the stereotypes of you know japanese game shows are mental and cruel like homer's getting doused with fire by saying like Oh, we punish ignorance, whereas you reward knowledge in your game shows. Ignore what? And just bang, just big firebolt from him. And, like, deciding which um, round to go for. Did you catch the names of the rounds, Sash? One is painful. One is, why is this happening to me? And the other one is, please stop. Something please similar to that. die. Yes. Painful, why do you do that? And let me die. I like, you just get to hear little moments like, no, I, I, I like number three. No, I, I don't want, want the pain. I, <laughs> I love that little bit as well. That was good fun. Oh, yeah, number one. Don't like We'll go with How That Hurts, Skip. My name is Wink. We start with, um, you know, you got to whack the pinata open there and the family's all blindfolded, but where's Homer? Oh, yeah, of course, here's the pinata there and... They're proper warping him. They're sticking seven shades of shit into him, and the Japanese audience are really loving it up there. And um, like, what are they gonna get? They didn't even get points for this. This was just like a. This is just for the sake of it. Which is <laughs> so silly. Exhibition. Yeah, look at these bloody foreigners. Look at these gaijin acting the fool there. But um, yeah, they realise. Oh, dad, it was you. Oh no, I had an inkling there. Can you pop my hernia back in? <laughs> 
no problem, Dad, but helpfully goes to do it before he's stopped. <laughs> you know, he's, he's stopped by the host. Horrible. But yeah, he goes, oh, we'll cut you down. You know, you can have a point or some prize or whatever. You know, if you answer this question about Japan, is the answer Japan? Actually, it is. <laughs> what does he say when he goes behind the curtains? I don't think we get a translation well, of that, do we? to uh, another Simpsons podcast, they had a... Um, a wonderful uh, Japanese um, host on. In fact, um, she was behind um, Simpsons Comics, Nina Matsumoto. Uh, go and follow her on Twitter, uh, folks. But she said, um, it's essentially, oh, which one of you idiots messed up this card? Or, you know, damn you idiots, you can't get anything right. Something with idiots and just saying, you wrote these cards wrong or, or the state of these cards there. So, again, le- legitimate Japanese there. Full props. Yeah, I believe they... Um... They they research this one very well. This episode. That means they move on to the lightning round. Sash now is this fastest finger first or quickest buzzer? Oh, he's tied to a lightning rod. Oh, this brings up one of my this segues into one of my favourite bits of the episode as well. He doesn't look like he's in pain, but he's been burned internally. Ah, <laughs> oh. <this is> so <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> that means you move on to the lightning round. <laughs> He seems okay, but he is being burned internally. Hey, can that Homer on the Japanese channel? If that's Homer, then who the hell's been putting beers on his tab? Oh, woohoo! Um, that boy ain't right! This is good fun. And then we switch to a uh, no watching this on TV in the tavern. Um, hey, isn't that Homer on the Japanese game show? Wait, if that's Homer, then who's been having drinks on his tab? And then we cut to Barney in a fantastic Homer Simpson cosplay. That boy ain't great. <laughs> Which... <laughs> yes. Now, that's not a typical Homer catchphrase. Do you know where that's from? That is King of the Hill, I believe. Oh, yes. Brilliant. I recommend King of the Hill to absolutely anyone and everyone, even you as well, Sash, there. Um very underrated needs to get spoken of more you know oh bobby yeah i've never seen it before i'm quite impressed with barney gumbel's simpsons cosplay it reminds me of the legendary simpsons cosplay homer simpson that i did in year eight which uh at some point i'm gonna have to whack out again but they are about to win folks the i mean the plane tickets are practically theirs they just have to go up the side of a mountain across some lava i mean initially when you watch this did you believe there were you know, going up the side of Mount Fuji or up a volcanic rock there, because I hear, like, other Simpsons podcasts review this episode, and they're like, oh, how did they not know it was, you know, a fake volcano and that? And I don't know, you got to have some sort of, um, what is it, sense of, dis- uh, suspending of disbelief and such there, and, you know, it is stretching the fabric of reality a lot there, but, I mean, I, I just think of it as sort of a Takeshi's Castle kind of vibe, like, um, okay, it's a challenge in that, but oh no, it's genuine lava. We have been fooled. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I hadn't thought too much about it, but there's a big logistical question of how this fits directly above the studio. <laughs> uh, and there's there's a lot. There's it's one of those don't think too hard about it moments. But the fact that um, they've heated the the soda or whatever it is, so that it's steaming, really does um, sort of add to that that convincingness. Yes. Well, this soda slash molten lava there, um, they nominate Lisa to go and get it there. And, you know, she ends up getting it. Wink, you know, sets the trap there, splits the bridge apart. 
in which Marge tries to grab her and it gets all a bit Indiana Jones with this, you know, human slash normal sort of bridge there. And Bart even runs across all of them, grabs the tickets there, but they end up falling in the quote rather. But um, no, they're down a sluice. And oh, just before this, I love the uh, Marge, your shoe that <laughs> does, <laughs> and then just lumbers really ungracefully along the ramp, uh, along the bridge. That really makes me laugh. They're down into a sluice there, they're down the slide. And the Japanese audience are in a rip-roaring time. They're applauding, they're laughing their asses off there. Because um, it's not actually molten lava, is it, Sash? Nope, it is some weird soda that is uh, the show's sponsor. And I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me. Don't worry, that lava is just orangeade made by our sponsor, Osaka Orangeade Concern. And yes, the Simpsons family end up winning their tickets back, and Homer's just saying, oh, you know, these shows aren't about, you know, pain and suffering and that, they're about, you know, shite prizes and poorly built catamarans and that, um, you know, for shame, but, you know, uh, business as usual, they look ashamed, but wink straight at it, you know, Oh, we're going to sing some Canadians next there. And Homer's just a massive charlatan and hypocrite. Like, he's gone through all that poetic speech and then, Oh, I like this. Take that, you damn hosers. Like, now they're on the back way back now. And we've pretty much finished this episode, folks. They're going to go on their journey back. They're on the plane. And it turns out they've got some sort of interference. It's, uh, uh, and I know you really enjoyed it, Sash, but it did make my eyes roll for how on the nose it was but <laughs> you saw Godzilla literally grabbing the plane doing the iconic roar it made me laugh I feel like it wouldn't have been a Japan uh, a Japan episode without a Godzilla reference and like, the little Jurassic Park um, reference too with the eye at the window made me laugh I like that they didn't just include um, Godzilla but also made a point to include um, Mothra, Mothra and a couple of others another one. yeah Uh I do believe some of the uh, voice actors in The Simpsons also starred in uh, Godzilla back in the day. Yes, I saw this. I didn't know Nancy Cartwright was in it. I'm going to have to watch it with fresh eyes. I know Azaria was like you know, the main sort of sidekick guy as well. Um, I tell you what, it's a shame that movie Bond. It's not a good movie by all means, but I mean... Don't watch it, folks, but please listen to the soundtrack because Jamiroquai has got a banging song about it, you know, Deeper Underground. I'll play that until my heart's uncanny. Love Jamiroquai, so definitely incentive for me to watch that there. And that is how we end this episode, folks. So, as always, Sash, if you could please have your final thoughts and then your own unique rating out of five. Um, yeah, a fun episode, one I had fond memories of, um, just for all the little anime references and other little bits that I got being a bit of a weeb. Uh, some good visual jokes, definitely some stuff that hasn't aged very well. Um, overall, pretty good fun. I feel like they probably could have played a bit more with the being in Japan concept and sort of, I don't know, taking it a little bit further. Um, but there's a lot of visual gags, just kind of a nice string of fun jokes put together, some nice throwbacks to earlier episodes. Um, yeah, all in all, um, pretty, pretty fun. I will give it a solid rating of, uh, do, 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 four seizure robots. For myself, I'm not going that high just based on, um, you know, sort of how 
clunky the start is and that, I mean, obviously what is aged horribly and what you shouldn't really make jokes about at all. Um, but the bits on the bits actually in Japan are good and fairly solid. But um, maybe if they just punched up a bit more, I mm. think it's a bit more complete. Um, I don't mind the God so thing. It was just again very on the nose, like the gong before the act break as well. Um, but with that all being said, I would give it a. I'm gonna push it up point five. I'm gonna go three out of five um, orange wasabi drinks. Nice. That is a well reasoned score. Um, yeah, I was probably a bit too lenient with mine to be fair, because some of that stuff is a bit yikes. But hey ho. Um, good to do watch. Good to see it again with fresh eyes because it has been a while. So yeah, no, thank you for having me along to watch this one. I have enjoyed it. Okay, let's have a pull on that random episode generator and see what comes out next. Get ready to rent pirate videos and not really care about comic guy's feelings as we go to season 12 with the worst episode ever. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star written review on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast, and the same on Twitter as well, at TylerTMC. Or search Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast. Take care, folks. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.